Okay, guys, we're we're in uh, our fifth lesson of this uh, issue of the basics of the Christian life, and what we're looking at today is we're going to actually spend a couple weeks is looking at the issue of prayer. But as we start out, I want to start out with the same three points that we started out the last few lessons with. It's just to kind of uh, reiterate some things here to you. Number one, the Christian life is not a set of actions to be uh, completed. You and I need to eliminate from our thinking that the Christian life is a bunch of rituals, especially when we talk to, about today's subject. It's, it's not a bunch of things that you have to complete in order for you to look at yourself and say, I'm a good Christian. In fact, can I be honest with you, that really has become a cultural thing within our churches, is to say, well, I do this, or I believe this, or I vote this way, so therefore, I am a what? A good Christian. That is not in the Bible. That's, that's not in the New Testament. The Christian life is not a set of actions to be completed. Folks, that's what Muslims do. They pray five times a day, and they, you know, they whatever the five pillars are of Islam, they give, they, you know, whatever. They do a lot of different things so that they are, quote, a good Muslim. You know, Christians, especially in our churches, have the same kind of tendency. I do all these things. I give, I come, I serve, I pray, I read. I must be a good Christian. You don't understand. that it's not Your life in Christ is not a set of actions. We've got to eliminate that thinking from our minds. So then, what is it? The Christian life is a relationship with the living God. You know, just like you would say your marriage is not a set of actions, or it shouldn't be, I'll just be honest with you, if it is, you've got problems. It's a relationship. It's an interaction with a living being, with the God of the universe. With the God of the universe. In fact, I was just noticing, I put a living God, but there's only one living God, so you might want to change that to the living God. I mean, it's a relationship with the living God. There is no other God but God. Let's go on then. So the second and key component of that relationship is prayer. Remember we said the first key component is His Word, because that's the revelation of God. But the second and key component of that relationship is prayer. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Just the word prayer will cause you to think of a ritual. And I just said to you that the Christian life is not a set of rituals or a set of actions to be completed. Did I not just say that? But just our word prayer, how we use the word prayer or pray, brings to it brings to our mind a connotation of some sort of religious ritual. So let me give you a definition of prayer that you can write down on your paper. Prayer is simply talking to God. That's what it is. Prayer is simply talking to God. Now what makes it oftentimes a ritual in our minds or a, a concept of some sort of religious action on my part is, is because we oftentimes will, especially if you're an immature Christian, will witness the prayers of others in church 
and several thoughts will go through your mind. Number one, you'll 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 think that only only super Christians can pray right. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Only only the super spiritual know how to pray. And so that'll enter into your mind. So with that, sometimes you'll hear people and maybe their language is a little bit more archaic. And and so you'll say, well, you know, I need to pray with specific words. So that can be a problem. The other problem is the other problem is, is that we don't think we're worthy. You don't think you're worthy. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about here because here's our human tendency. That's the next part of it. We're going to spend really the first week here talking about what hinders us from prayer. The first one is our human tendency. We tend Here's our human tendency, period. We tend to avoid people that we've sinned against. That's just a human tendency. So if I do Scott wrong, and I know that I've done Scott wrong, and I'm at Walmart, and I'm pushing around my cart, and I can see him out of the corner of my eye, over in the aisle that I want to be in, do you think I'm going down that aisle? What am I going to do? I'm going to head to electronics. Or I'm going to head over to the garden section. I may even go home. And so I'll come back later. You know, i got to get gas at sheets anyhow. So we, what do we do? Our tendency is to what? Avoid people that we've sinned against. Now, that's our tendency. Why do we do that? Our avoidance is based on our feelings. You do that because of your feelings. Here's the thing, folks. Can I be honest with you? Most of us operate by our feelings. Have you noticed that? How many of you woke up this morning and your head was throbbing and you just didn't feel good? I didn't. Jim back there is honest. So everybody else was okay. Okay? How many of you are morning people? You're ready. Woo! You're ready to go. Okay. How many of you are not morning people? I mean, you've got to throw you some raw meat first and a cup of coffee before you get going. What's the deal there? Your feelings. Okay? Your feelings. So our avoidance of people, if I'm going to avoid Scott because I've done something to him, it's going to come from feelings. Now, what are those feelings? Feelings include, number one, shame. I'm shamed by what I did. Two, guilt. I feel guilty. That's a natural human tendency. Here's the other one. Awkwardness. It's like, okay, so what do I talk with him about? I mean, I don't want that issue to come up, and I'm just feeling awkward. Okay? Awkwardness. Self-consciousness. I'm going to feel pretty self-conscious about what I did. Here's the other one. This is especially true if you've done something to somebody and they don't know it yet. Have you noticed that? You get these feelings. Self, you're really self-conscious. Like, hi, Scott. You don't know yet, but I stabbed you in the back, bro. <laughs> and we don't say that to him, but you're thinking that. Okay, so self-conscious. And you're like, man, what's up with George? Why is he acting weird? Well, you're going to find out later why he's acting weird, okay? And then anger. Anger. Feelings of anger can cause us to have a problem. Now, here's, the pro- here's what I want you to see. We tend to approach God with the same human tendency. We tend to approach God with the same human tendency. Do you understand that? Just like we, f- we try to avoid people in the flesh that we've hurt, 
I'm going to be honest with you. When you do wrong, when you sin, the natural human tendency that you have is the last thing you want to do is pray. Because when you pray, what you did is going to come to mind. No matter how much you try to put it out of there, what you did or what you're doing is going to come to mind. Now, why is it going to come to mind? Because first of all, folks, the Holy Spirit's going to bring it to mind. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit's going to point out to you, hey, there's something wrong in our relationship here, and this is what the issue is. And sometimes we don't want to deal with it, or sometimes we're shamed by it. Our feelings guide us in that whole area, and so what we do is, is we avoid praying. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? I can't even talk to him. I don't want to go in his presence. You know, so we, we want to avoid God. So our avoidance, our tendency is to avoid God. Now here's, here's our reasons for avoiding him. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. Reasons for avoiding God. First is the category is sin. Sin. So let's take a look at these. Personal sin will keep you from praying. Just number, you put a star by that one. That's just reality. You want to know why so many of us struggle with our prayer lives? Our sin? Because here's the thing. When you sin, you know you've done something wrong towards God. You've got that human tendency going in where you want to avoid that person that you've hurt. We have not grasped the reality yet. We've not matured to the place yet where we, where we have to come to a place of realizing that even though we've hurt God and we've sinned against Him, we can still talk to Him. Because I want you to think of it this way. You can't get any more extreme in the pain and the hurt that you've done to God than the crucifixion. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, the fact that our sin put him on the cross, nailed him there, hung him there, killed him there, you can't get any more extreme than that, and yet he still loves you. You know what I'm saying? So somehow we've got to, there, there's a disconnect between our feelings and what we know. When you operate by your feelings, personal sin will what? keep you from talking to him. Now, if you understand truth, what's truth say? You're forgiven. He forgives. He's ready to forgive. In fact, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just. Think about those two words. Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and what? And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the verse says. So, there's a disconnect between my feelings and what I know or should know. And if I know and should know, there shouldn't be a problem, even with personal sin about going to prayer. But, but the problem is, is personal sin keeps us from praying. Why? Because our feelings. Feelings. Feelings are very deceptive, are they not? You know what I'm saying? It's you know, like sometimes, you know, how many of you have experienced this? I've experienced this. Wake up in the morning and Lori's mad at me. What did I do? T tell me what I did. I don't like this friction between us. 
Well, in my dream, you did this. How many of you experienced that? I have. You, do you know what I'm saying? You get angry at somebody in your dream. What is going on there? We operate by what? Feelings. Do you understand what I'm saying? By our feelings. If you operated by your knowledge, you would realize, oh, I was just dreaming. That really wasn't him. You know? really wasn't him. Now, so personal sin keeps us from praying. Here's the other one. Unconfessed sin will affect your prayer life. So personal sin itself will keep you from praying. But here's the other one. It's unconfessed sin. Now, usually unconfessed sin is because we don't want to deal with it. We're enjoying doing what we're doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't see it as a problem. But the problem is, there is a problem. The problem is, is that it will affect your prayer life. If you don't deal with sin, it will affect your prayer life. In fact, look at the scripture. I gave you a passage of scripture there in your, in your notes. Psalm 66, 18 says this. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Folks, you want to know when God doesn't listen to you? It's when you're unrepentant. You say, what do you mean unrepentant? Well, when, you're, when you don't come clean with him. Because again, remember, now, that almost sounds like a relationship, doesn't it? Okay, have you ever had, had a disagreement with your spouse because you've done something wrong and they won't talk to you until they, until they see from you actions that what? Express that you're genuinely sorry. Otherwise, forget it. I'm not talking to you right now until you think about what you're doing. That sounds like a relationship, doesn't it? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the same thing with God. Unconfessed sin will what? It will affect your prayer life. It will affect whether or not God hears you. So if you're, if you're you know, oftentimes when people come to me, you know, I just feel like my prayers, here's, again, that key word, feel. I just feel like, how many of you said this? I just feel like my prayers don't go beyond the ceiling. But God's not hearing me. So usually when they come and talk to me about that, I try to, first of all, tell them, don't go by your feelings. Because there are days, there's days I don't feel saved. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it, you know, I, I woke up this morning with a slight headache. I, I, don't, I don't feel happy today. I need to be. But I don't feel happy today. So, you can't go by your feelings. So first of all, I talk to them. Then I start getting a little bit more intricate with them and say, well, you know, here's some reasons why our prayers may seem hindered. And one of them is, is maybe there's something in your life you haven't dealt with. And almost always, I'll be honest with you, they know exactly what it is. I don't know what it is, but they know what it is. Now, why would they know what it is? Because, first of all, it's the one thing that the Holy Spirit's talking to them about that they don't want to deal with. You know what I'm saying? It's the one area of their life that they're holding on to that they don't want to give over to God, and God's talking to them about it. You know what I'm saying? One area of sin, it's unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin will affect your prayer life. Now, here's what else will affect your prayer life. You're going to be shocked by this one. Problems with our spouse will affect our prayer life. 
What do you mean? Hey, I'm going to tell you right now. Well, let me read the scripture first of all to you. First Peter chapter 3, verse 10. If you look there. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them. That's talking about the spouse, the wife. With understanding, giving honor to the wife as to a weaker vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Malachi, the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, says this. God is speaking through the prophet Malachi, and he's talking to, to Israel at that time, and he says, you come and you weep at my altar, and you wonder, why don't I listen? And he says, because I have been a witness between you and the wife of your youth, and you have not dealt with her properly. You've dealt with her treacherously. So what's he saying here? God, if there's something, okay, let me just go ahead and say this to you. It's almost, it, it's, it, this happens in my house a lot. Like, if, if, there's some, if there's a problem between Lori and I, we've got to settle it. Why? Because I can't come to work and start studying and act like everything's okay. Oh God, please show me something today for the church. He ain't doing it. Why? Because stuff ain't right at home. Do you know what I'm saying? And what's even worse is if she's not ready to talk about it yet. What am I going to do at work? I might as well read something else. I don't know. Call up Brad. Let's go for a coffee. Do you know what I'm saying? Why? Because problems with our spouse affect our walk and our prayer life. Bottom line. You know, and the ladies can say there, well, see, boy, all those passages talk about guys. No, no, gals, it's for you too. The reality is, is see, here's the thing. I want, you, I want you to draw a triangle on your paper, okay? A marriage relationship is represented by, by a triangle. Now, at the top of the triangle, I want you to write God. At the bottom of the triangle, I want you to put you and your spouse. Now, notice, there's a relationship between you and your spouse, but there's also a relationship between you and God and your spouse and God. And that triangle, if, if things aren't right, it hinders the relationship with each other. Do you understand? Do you understand? So the reality is, is that problems with our spouse will affect our prayer life. Bottom line. If you're not right with your spouse, don't wonder why it seems like God's not talking to you. That seems like your prayers don't matter. Here's the other one. It gets a little bit more integral. Problems with others will affect our prayer life. Especially the brethren. If you've got a problem with a brother or sister in Christ, and it isn't settled, it's going to affect your prayer life. How? Look at Matthew. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 7 verse 23 through 24. Therefore, if you go, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. So, the first thing I got to do is make sure that I've got, I'm in a right relationship with my brother. Now, some of you are immediately going to say, well, 
What if they don't want to be in a right relationship with me? The issue is whether or not you try to be in a right relationship with them. Because here's the thing. Let's say, let's say I got a problem with Brad. All right? Let's say I got a problem with Brad. I've done something to hurt Brad. And I know that I've done something to hurt Brad. And I go to Brad and I say, Brad, please forgive me. I, I'm, I'm repentant. I'm, I'm expressing my sorrow. And I really want to make it right. But Brad, he's like, I'm done with you, buddy. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Is that going to affect my prayer life? No, because I did what I was supposed to do. Now, Brad may have a problem with his prayer life. Did you understand what I'm saying? The issue is, is that if you've got problems with others that aren't resolved, that you're not attempting to resolve, it's going to affect your prayer life. So, okay, so everything affects your prayer life, doesn't it? Personal sin, unconfessed sin, problems with my spouse, problems with others. Why would it affect my prayer life? Because, again, we're not talking about a religious ritual. We're talking about a what? Relationship. Do you understand? We're talking about a relationship. This is why it's going to hinder. It's going to cause problems. So what we see there is sin causes a problem. Now here, another one, anger causes a problem. Anger can hinder my relationship with God. So first of all, anger towards God will cause you to avoid Him. If you get angry with God, you're going to avoid Him. Now somebody might be hearing her saying, what do you mean get angry with God? Folks, you can get angry with God. You'll get angry with Him. In fact, that we're talking about that in the morning message series, aren't we? About does God care? Anger towards God will result in you avoiding Him. So you're not going to go to Him in prayer because you're angry with Him. What does that? Anger can be a result of unanswered prayer. What's the use? Talk to Him before about stuff. He's not answering my prayer, so might as well not talk to Him. That's the attitude. If you're not seeing God answering prayer, or He doesn't answer them the way you want Him to answer them, you can get angry with Him and avoid Him. And folks, we've seen people do that. In fact, ultimately what they'll do is they get angry with God and they don't want to have anything to do with Him. They'll quit coming to church. They quit hanging out with God's people. Because they're angry with God. They're angry that He didn't do, quote, what they thought He should have done. So anger can be a result of unanswered prayer. Here's the other one. Anger can be a result of feeling that God has wronged you. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, you could be praying for something, maybe for a promotion, maybe for something better for your life, and it just seems like you're not getting ahead. You're not getting the promotion. You lose a job, you get a stinky job. And you can get angry with God because you recognize God is ultimately the one who's in control of the universe and in control of your life. And it's like, God, why are you doing this to me? Seems like I'm, it seems like you're the one who's bringing these problems. And you can end up blaming Him. And that anger can result in you because you think God's wronged you. And that's very natural. And listen, don't sit there. Can I be honest with you? Christian, listen to me. Don't sit there and think, well, I would never be angry with God. That may be somebody else's problem in this room, but I would never be angry with God. Don't say that. 
because life has yet to throw you something. And it will. You say, what do you mean? Like, okay, you know what? There's an interesting book in the Bible. It's called Job. And when you read Job, you can almost sense the anger in Job at certain points in his, in his, in his discourse because he's very clearly saying, I've done right. I don't know why this is happening to me. And it, it can get to the place where you can sense that God, you can get angry because you feel God's wronged you. And you say, what do you mean by that, George? Well, here's the thing. Here's, what, here's the trap we fall into because we view the Christian life as a set of rituals and stuff. When something wrong does happen and it overwhelms us, we get upset with God and we'll say things like, God, don't you know I love you? God, I, I've been doing this stuff for you. God, I've been giving. I've been coming to church. God, I avoid those movies. I'm doing all the right stuff, God. Why is this happening to me? Why isn't it happening to that other dude who's doing all the wrong stuff? And you can get upset and angry with God. And anger can well up in you, and anger will keep you from going to Him. So anger is an issue that will cause us to avoid Him. Here's another one, silence. This is one that we don't like to deal with. We avoid God because we sense only silence. You know, I've been a Christian now 26 years. The toughest times in my walk with Christ, can I be honest with you, are the times when I pray and I feel like God's silent. And there have been many times like that. There probably will be many more. And here's what happens. How many of you like the silent treatment at home? Most of us don't like silent treatments. Why? Because we're relational beings. And as relational beings, a key component to a relationship is communication. Communicating with each other. Interacting with each other. And if you're inter- and, and, and I just said to you that the Christian life is a relationship with the living God. And so when it seems like there's silence, that bothers us. And you can get to the place where you start thinking, what's the use even praying? What's the use? Because you're bothered by the silence from God. And folks, there will be times when there will be silence from God. Here's the other thing. Silence from heaven feeds our feelings of abandonment. Here's what happens during those times when you you feel that God's not talking to you when it's silent. You're going to feel like, well, he's left me alone. I'm all by myself. Because we, we, we don't sense him for some reason. And it almost reminds me, how many of you remember years ago, I mean, it was very popular years ago to have... The footprints thing, you know, and you know, and, and, and the story is, is two were walking, and then all of a sudden you look back, and there's one set of tracks, and, and it's like, God, why weren't you there? Well, I carried you during that time. Well, here's what happens during that silence, and it's usually when there's difficulty. Have you noticed that? It's usually when there's difficulty that there's silence, and we wonder what's going on. You get these feelings of abandonment. God, you're no longer there for me. What, what's the use of me praying? I feel like I'm on my own. I, you've left me alone. You've left me alone. 
In fact, you pray like Jesus did. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So, silence can keep you because it's it will bring up those feelings there of abandonment. Now, there's one other thing. We're going to hit one other area. Actually, there's two other areas. Excuse me. Two other areas here. Self-sufficiency. We avoid God because we feel that we can handle things ourselves. Here's what I want you to see. Maybe you think you can handle whatever it is that you're going through because you got the brain power. You may not have the wallet power, but you got the brain power. Do you understand what I'm saying? I can, I can, my thinking can get me out of this. Now, have you ever thought about that before? Have you ever tried that? And all of a sudden, it just gets worse, and then finally you're desperate to go to him, like, God, I made a big mess of this. Help me out of this. We start off self-sufficient. So self-sufficiency. So here's the thing. We are self-sufficient. This is the problem. We are self-sufficient. That's our makeup. And we're in a culture. That's the American culture, isn't it? The American culture is, if you want something, you've got to do it for yourself because nobody else is going to do it for you. And so that will cause you to avoid prayer. Now, there's one other area, and here's, it, here's what it is. Wrong motives. Self-centered motives will cause you to avoid God in prayer. Self-centered motives will cause you to avoid God. Listen to what James says. James chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and do not receive, because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Here's what James is saying. You come to me in prayer, God is saying, and you ask for things, but the reason why you don't receive them is because you want to heap them on your own lusts, your own pleasures, your own desires, for your own selfishness. And that's why I'm not giving it to you. That's why I'm not giving it to you. Hey, how many of you... I heard Chuck Swindoll talk about this one time, and I thought this was pretty good. He said, did you ever notice why there aren't too many rich Christians? You ever notice that? He said, because most of us don't know how to handle it. And so there you are. You, 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 might, you might be one of the few here who buys a lottery ticket. Or you're like my nephew, who I saw on Facebook, said he's living at McDonald's for the next four weeks because it's Monopoly time. And he wants to, be, wants to see if he'll get that ticket that gives him the million, you know. And you even say, you know, you might even say things like this, Oh, God, you know, if you, if you, if you let me win, I'll, I'll, I'll give a lot of it to the church. First of all, can I tell you, if you win, don't give it to the church. You'll just cause us problems. It's better that we don't have that much money. You understand what I'm saying? Then all of a sudden have a lot of money and not know what to do with it. That just causes problems. Okay? So don't do that. Alright? Here's what happens. The reason why God doesn't give it to you is because God knows you better than you know yourself and your motives are selfish and He's actually protecting you. Do you understand? So don't bother praying about it. Don't buy the tickets either. You want to spend that buck, buy me, buy me a drink, okay? Be the same effect. You're throwing it away, so 
here's the thing. Self-centered motives will cause you to avoid God. So you say, okay, George, what do we do with this? Well, next week, here's what we're going to do. Next week, we're going to talk about the proper way to approach prayer and how to pray. Because, again, it's a relationship. So I've got all these reasons why I'm avoiding it. Next week, we're going to talk about what God says about why you should pray and how you should pray. Okay? Because that's a key component. Because here's the thing. You can't have a relationship unless there's what? Communication. And prayer is what? Again, remember my simple definition. Prayer is simply what? Talking to God. Okay, let's close our time in prayer and we'll get ready for the morning worship service.